Great, great job. Allison and Cassandra, thank you very much. Um, I'm thankful for all of our staff. I received this tip from Cody during the children's moment. He said, you're on the big screen, don't pick your nose. So um, that's always good advice. Take that with you wherever you go. Hey, a couple of announcements I want to throw your direction. Um, we shared last week that we had to postpone and reschedule our 5K. We are announcing this morning that the 5K is this coming Saturday at 8 a.m., but it will not take place in Clinton. We're going out to Little Galilee. They have an incredible 5K route out there, and uh, Josh Turney from COPE is going to help us get it all set up, and it's going to be a great time. Several of you told me you wanted to participate last Saturday, but you had conflicts, so it is not too late to sign up for the 5K. This Saturday, June 3rd, the forms are at the Welcome Center, or see me, and I will hand deliver a form to you. We would love to get to that 100 runner mark. All the money raised supports summer mission trips. Speaking of mission trips, there is another men's mission trip in the works, and it will take place in August. We'll be traveling to Casas to work with Scott DeWitt to build at least a home, maybe more. And we would love to have men join us on this trip, of course. And there's going to be an informational meeting when Scott is here Thursday, June 8th at 7 p.m., so uh, if you are interested, we'd love to have you join us. Now, there is this catch. You have to have a valid passport. And so if you don't have a valid passport, I, I don't know if you will have time or not, but that is a requirement that that needs to happen in order to uh, cross the border and be a part of this trip. Elder recommendation forms are at the Welcome Center. And so if you would like to fill one of those out, do it. Get it turned back into the church office by Monday, June the 5th at 4 p.m. And then tomorrow is our annual Memorial Day service at the cemetery at 10 a.m. And it is um, a change this year that the rain location will actually be our church, FCC. But I just looked at the forecast. There is a 1% chance of rain at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll be at the cemetery. Uh, let me just say, Monday's a big day for a lot of us. We've got the barbecues planned and we're hanging out with family. Uh, you would be well served to take an hour and go to the cemetery and be a part of this annual gathering. Uh, Memorial Day used to be known as Decoration Day. It's been around since the Civil War, and it is uh, a time where we remember the men and women who lost their lives in battle ensuring freedom for our country. I want to share something that I read this week that I'd never learned before, talking about the holiday decoration day that would become Memorial Day. It says there is no dispute that the holiday gained national recognition after the American Civil War in 1868 when General John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of veterans founded in Decatur, Illinois, established it as the time for the nation to decorate the graves of the war dead with flowers. So tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., hopefully at the cemetery, would love to see a huge crowd gather together to remember those who have paid the ultimate price. Grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, grab a pew Bible and turn to page 1098, I think is the number. I forgot to write it down, but I think that's right. In your pew Bible, 1098. This will be our last message from the book of Acts for a while. We're going to come back to the book of Acts at some point 
down the road and wrap it up, but this has kind of been our second installment, and we have been looking at Paul's second missionary journey, and he's been to places like Philippi, and last week we looked at Thessalonica and Berea, and uh, on Easter we looked at his stop in Athens, and today we're going to look at what happened when Paul arrived at Corinth. Now, every week we publish sermon notes, and we invite you, if you're an adult or you're almost an adult, to fill out these sermon notes. We have two options for today. We also have kids' sermon notes that has really cool things like uh, word searches and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So take advantage of those resources as we dive into God's Word together, Acts chapter 18. Here's the big idea that I want you to grab a hold of today. And it's kind of a discouraging thing as we start today, but, but it's a reality that I think most would affirm. Life can be really discouraging, and we all need to be lifted up from time to time. I don't think that's a, a surprise. Life can stink. Life can really be a bummer. But here's what I want you to understand, and hopefully we're going to put this up on the screen. The very best kind of encouragement comes from the Lord himself. The very best kind comes directly from the Lord himself. And so today we're in Acts chapter 18. We're seeing what happened when Paul finished his journey in Athens. Athens was the intellectual capital of the first century world. Paul had an audience with the smartest people in the world, the intellectuals. Very few people made decisions for faith, but some did. And so Paul goes on his way to Corinth. Corinth was a troubled first century city. You could call it Sin City, and that would be an accurate description of what was taking place in Corinth in the first century world. It is Family Sunday, so I won't go into detail with that, but if you want to check it out sometime, Google Corinth first century world sin, and you will not believe what you will be reading. That, that's the context for Paul's ministry. And Paul continues on this second missionary journey with his partners Silas and Timothy and Luke. And Corinth is a place that Paul would stay for a year and a half. When we think missionary journey, we probably think like a tent revival and we're putting the tent up and we're preaching for five or six or seven days, maybe a couple weeks, and we're on our way. That's not the case in Corinth. For a year and a half, Paul ministered here. It was the second longest stop of any. Ephesus, he stayed for three years, but at Corinth, he was there for a year and a half. And um, Corinth would be a place, the Christians, that would receive two letters from Paul. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So doing the work of the Lord can really be difficult and discouraging. Doing the work of the Lord can really be difficult and discouraging. And so Paul's initial focus at Corinth was like his focus at Philippi. It was like his focus at Thessalonica. It was like his focus at Berea. He goes to the Jewish synagogue. That's where he's preaching. And like we talked about last week, he's trying to connect the dots that Jesus is the Christ. That's his message. The Messiah that we've longed for arrived in the person of Jesus. The Savior that we pleaded for for centuries has arrived in the name of Jesus. You remember the response in Thessalonica? Do you remember the response in Berea? Well, it was kind of good news and bad news. A whole bunch of people said, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. But there was a lot of turmoil, and there was a lot of destruction, and there was a lot of pain, and there was a lot of agony. And nowhere is that more 
prevalent than right here in Corinth. The response is simple. It's opposition and it's abuse. So that's a big introduction, and I want to read for you the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 18. Listen to the word of the Lord. It says, After this, Paul left Athens, and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest, and he said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So why was Paul discouraged? What brought Paul down? Why did he find himself in a, in a season of discouragement? And disappointment. I think there are many reasons. I want to share with you four. And here's the thing. These four reasons will discourage you as a Christ follower in 2017. They will bring you down today if you're not careful. I think the first reason probably is the evil that, that Paul witnessed in Corinth. It was an evil place. And I got to be honest with you. Evil is discouraging. Last week, I wrapped up the message talking about persecution going on in 2017. How many of you remember that? We talked about the persecution that's going on in Egypt. Did you hear the news this week? 30 were slaughtered, Coptic Christians, on their way to pray. One of the buses that was attacked was filled with children, very much like the children that just sat on our stage. That's evil. And that's heartbreaking. And that's discouraging. And I'm assuming, reading between the lines, that the evilness of Corinth discouraged Paul. Second reason, I would say, is isolation. Paul went to Athens by himself. And for a season in Corinth, he was all alone. And I think when you talk to people who have truly battled depression, and it, it's been a struggle, they would say, many of them would say, I don't want to make a blanket statement, many of them would say that the worst thing for them and their depression is isolation. And so Paul's by himself. He's the lone ranger. He is really discouraged. I think a third reason is what I'm going to call fatigue. We, we read earlier in our scripture that Paul was a tent maker. What does that mean? It means that he made tents, right? 
But we use that phrase today to describe people who maybe they go to the mission field or maybe they go to some place and, and they are in ministry but not necessarily in full-time ministry. They get another job to support themselves. Maybe they work at a lumber yard or maybe they do something in the medical industry. They do something to earn a salary so that they can do ministry. In addition, Paul was a tent maker. And for a season, he, he's working and he's preaching. And my guess is he's not doing a lot of time uh, of sitting on the couch with his feet up watching his favorite sporting event more than likely. He, he is fatigued. I look back to the seasons in my life when I have battled discouragement um, most. It's seasons where fatigue had really set in. And I had not been a good shepherd of my own body. And I had not taken time to rest and, and, and to practice spiritual disciplines. I think the fourth reason and maybe the most prevalent reason that Paul found discouragement was because of rejection. Rejection. It is always difficult when you experience rejection in any arena of life. But when you're doing the work of the Lord and you taste rejection, you experience rejection, it is a kick in the gut. It is discouraging, and Paul found himself very discouraged. But he didn't stay there. That's the cool thing about the Apostle Paul. That's the cool thing about your life. If you find yourself today in a season of discouragement, I've got good news. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to be there. And I want to give you some of the solutions that Paul came up with to leave discouragement and find encouragement. Number one, Paul continued to be blessed with solid friendships. Allison and Cassandra talked about Aquila and Priscilla. And Aquila and Priscilla were a blessing to Paul. Every, last week we learned about a guy by the name of Jason from Thessalonica. We don't know anything about Jason. I couldn't give you 15 facts about Jason, but I know this. He was Paul's host and he was a blessing to him and to his team of Christ followers doing this missionary work. And so again, back to a couple weeks ago, don't settle for the silo. Don't settle for doing faith all alone. Paul continued to be blessed with solid friendship. Secondly, Paul kept busy by staying active, working with his hands. And back to that whole isolation thing, when I find myself in a season of discouragement, some of the best things I can do is get off my rear and go for a walk or go cycling or go do something physical, something that, that helps me clear my mind, focus on what really matters most. Number three, this is huge. Paul maintained his priorities. I think one of the real traps of Satan is that when we're in seasons of discouragement, we forget what really matters most. We can lose all perspective. And even through the discouragement, the opposition, the abuse, the negativity, Paul maintains his priorities. He's still preaching Jesus. He's still trying to make connections with Christ followers everywhere he can. And then number four, and you're going to say, well, this is great for Paul. What's this have to do with me? Number four, Paul received encouragement from the Lord himself. The Lord reached down in a vision and he encouraged 
Paul himself. Let me read verses 9 and 10 for you one more time. These are the words of the Lord to Paul. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. I am with you. And no one is going to attack you. No one is going to harm you because I have many people in that city. Paul received encouragement directly from the Lord. So what do we do with Acts chapter 18? How do we bring it to 2017 and make it relevant for our world today? Well, number one is this. You can be like the Apostle Paul. You should and you can receive encouragement from the Lord himself. Are you saying, Greg, am I going to have a vision tonight? Do I need to take something to get that vision? Not at all. You can receive encouragement from the Lord through the power of God's word. Through the absolute power of God's word. Some of you arrived here today and you are anxious. You are worried. You are troubled. You're like Martha in the whole Mary and Martha encounter. Where, where Martha was worried and bothered about so many things. How can the Lord encourage you directly? Memorize 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord. He cares for you. That needs to be a life verse for some of us who struggle with worry and anxiety. Number two, the peace of prayer. The peace of prayer. Number three, the presence of of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, you are not in this alone. I want to just remind you, once again, every day we're reading God's word as a church. And if you're not joining in, today's a great day to say, here we go. You can find this in your bulletin every week. You can find it online. You can find it in our church office. If you can't find it in any of those places, call me and I'll hand deliver it to you. There's power in receiving encouragement from the Lord himself. Number two, second, we should and we can stretch our faith through consistent Christian community. Consistent Christian community. My Sunday school class, the Faith Builders, they've been doing life and faith together for over 50 years, some of them. That's a long time. I'm not even 50 years old. That's a long time to do life and faith together. And if you don't have people in your world that you can do life together and you can do faith together, you are missing out. Don't settle for the silo. And, and I want to talk about our two newest staff members, Lindsay Moody and Melinda Heinlein. A major focus of what they're doing is to help people get connected. If you're not connected, hit us up. We want to help you get connected. There's a great illustration of this playing out in this chapter. Um, stay in Acts chapter 18, but flip all the way down to verses 24 to 26. We talked earlier about this husband-wife team, Aquila and Priscilla. Well, there was a young son of the faith by the name of Apollos, and he was a really sharp guy. He's like an Ivy League caliber person. He's got it all together. Many people believe that this Apollos is the one who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know that. It's a possibility, but he is really sharp. Listen to what happens in his world 
as a result of Christian community. Verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and talk, talk, taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. When he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and they explained to him the way of God more adequately. And you read that and you say, well, they just sat him down and said, dude, you're wrong. Let us give you the right answers. That's not what's playing out here. They are encouraging someone who has much fervor in the Lord to better understand what being a follower of Jesus is all about. And the same thing that's happened to Apollos can happen to you and to me. And again, I love our Sunday morning gatherings. I love 815 service. I love 1045 service. I love that many of you are here consistently, week in, week out. It's not enough. You need more than that. You need Christian community. Well, 2017, final challenge for you today, most practical of all probably, is I want you to make a commitment today. Number three, make a commitment today. And there's two challenges that I'm throwing out, and one everyone can respond to. I would love for everyone to respond to. And the first is this, this summer, do not give in to the temptation to take the summer off spiritually. You may sit there and say, well, I would never do that. Um, summer's awesome. I love 85 degree days better than 25 degree days. I love bike rides better than walking in the snow and the sleet. And so do you, more than likely. And with summer comes incredible opportunities. Don't take the summer off when it comes to your spiritual life. I would love to look back and say 2017 was one of our greatest summers ever, spiritually speaking. But the second challenge that I want to throw out for you today directly involves what Allison and Cassandra shared with, uh, with us this morning with the children. We are launching today what I am calling Little Galilee 2017 Operation Bold Bible Study. They have found an incredible resource that will help children study the Bible in the most effective ways possible. And it involves providing every child with the week of camp that we are leading, uh, the first week of July, with their own Bible and with these Bible study tools. And so last year we had 129 campers. I don't know if we're going to have that many this year or not, but our goal is to try to raise 129 times $7 so every camper that comes to Little Galilee, even if they have a Bible, they're going to go home with this special Bible and these Bible study tools. It's going to be used throughout the week. Somebody asked me, what happens if you raise more than that? You know what? We're going to use every penny that comes in today to purchase Bibles for children or teens one way or another. So I know we've already done the offering. And I know that for many of us, maybe we're on tight budgets. If you feel led, if you want to, there's a big 
you know, really bright gold bucket right over there. And when the invitation song is being sung, or when the service is over, if you would like to, I invite you to make a contribution to Operation Bold Bible Study. If you're given by check, you can make it out to FCC, and it'll be a tax-deductible gift. Write BBS or Bold Bible Study in the memo line. If you're giving cash, every penny raised will help purchase Bibles for children so that they can grow like Apollos grew in his knowledge of the faith. The very best encouragement of all is the encouragement we get from the Lord himself. And there's no better resource than the good book. Let's be a blessing. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And for the chance to gather, for the chance to be in your word. And God, please, as we move into this summer, help, help us to grow this summer. Help us to thrive spiritually this summer, individually, as families, as a church. God, help this summer to be the best one yet. And help us to never grow tired, to never grow weary of being your ambassadors, of being that beacon of hope and light. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. And so we're going to sing our song of commitment like we do every Sunday morning. Mark is going to lead us. And if you'd like prayer, I'd love to pray with you. I'm up front. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that's the greatest response you could make. And if you want to, if you want to contribute to Operation Bold Bible Study, feel free as we stand together and Mark leads us. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save It's always a good day in the house of the Lord when there's a family Sunday. Is that right? I, I didn't hear any kids talking. They, they did awesome. Awesome, awesome. Hey, I want to thank you all for worshiping with us. I'll be up front following the service. If you'd like to talk with me, the, the bucket, whatever that is, the big gold thing will be there for several minutes following the service. And thank you in, in advance for your generosity. We're excited about what God is going to do. I have one final announcement, and I'm probably going to be in the doghouse for sharing this, but this Tuesday is my 25th wedding anniversary. 
And um, I married up, and I am blessed beyond what I deserve. Marla, love you so much, and uh, love her so much. We're going to get out of here for a couple weeks and head west. Um, and no one else is going along. Many people have uh, invited themselves, like my kids, but they are not welcome. So um, we're looking forward to that. In all seriousness, thank you for being here today. Do not forget the Memorial Day service tomorrow. I'd love to have a huge showing as we give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, let's close our service with a word of prayer. God, thanks for today. And for the blessings you poured out upon us, thank you most of all for Jesus, your son, the hope that he brings us. God, as we leave our beautiful sanctuary and our beautiful church building, help us to remember we are the church. Wherever we go, whatever we do. So give us chances today and tomorrow and this week and the rest of this year to be salt, to be light, to make a difference for you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.